Father, bless these words to our hearts in Jesus' name. Turn in your Bibles, please, to Philippians chapter 2. In verse 5, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let this mind be in you. Mind is the way of thinking. It's your thoughts. Let this mind, these thoughts, this way of thinking be in you that was in Christ. Now, this is extremely important. We sometimes can neglect the importance if we're not careful. Because in Proverbs 23.7, as you think in your heart, that's who you are. We want people to think of us in certain terms in a certain way. We want to think of ourselves in a certain way. And that's fine, but it may not necessarily be who we are. We want people to see us as being something like whatever, and that's fine, but that may not be who we are. It may, but it may not be. You really want to be careful about who you are. Not who you appear to yourself to be, not who you want to be, not who you want people to think you are. You want to be careful about who you actually are. And that will be determined by the thoughts of your heart. So, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. You are positionally the body of Christ if you're born again in 1 Corinthians 12.27. You are, in Ephesians 2.15 and 16, one person with him positionally. You are positionally, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, the new creature. But what I am positionally and what I am experientially may be two different things. God desires that what I experience aligns to my position. However, sometimes it doesn't. And when it doesn't, I run into problems. Be very careful about who you actually are. That's what you want to develop. You don't want to necessarily try to worry about your circumstances. Sometimes people say, well, if I can control my circumstances... Or if I can get people to be a certain way, act a certain way, or agree with me, maybe I can control them. If I can control what's around me, my surroundings, then I'll be fine. Then I'll be able to handle them. Then I won't have problems. That's an illusion. That's completely a deception. As a person thinks in their heart, that's who they are. People try to control their surroundings or the people around them or their circumstances or what have you because they don't deal with who they are. And if I don't deal with who I am, I'm not going to have what I need to deal with anything or anyone for that matter. Everything will become a source of stress. Everything will become a source of strife. Everything will become a source of confusion. Everything is going to be a problem for me. I won't be able to get along with people except on a superficial level. I won't be able to have any sort of a deep relationship. Within my family, I'm going to have problems. My emotions are going to go haywire. 
I'm not really going to understand why. And so, because I don't get it, I'm going to try to control things because I think it's the things themselves that are outside of me that are causing me to either be or feel or think a certain way. That's deception. It's hard to get people out of deception, but it's still deception. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So let this mind be in you that was also in Christ. Because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Never become familiar or bored with the word of God. Practice academic discipline in receiving it. Because in John 1.14, the word of God became flesh. So, when the Bible says, let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, and the word of God is Christ Jesus, then let the word of God be in you. If you learn to think with the word of God, then you will be in practical manifestation, in practical experience, all that you are in your position in Christ. That's a much more satisfying, much richer, much easier place for us to live. I don't have to control my circumstances or people or or environment or anything else. I don't have to get things going my way if I'm thinking with the Word of God because the Word of God will then transform me into who Christ is. Watch out for saying, well, I need this to be a certain way to be happy or content. If it were only like this, then I wouldn't have these problems. Deception. The problems that I have come from how I think, which determines who I am. And who I am is not equipped for what I experience. So the problem isn't what I experience. The problem is I'm not equipped. It's like saying to a soldier, go out to battle. Somebody joins the army infantry. You're going to go to war. If there's a war, army infantry, you're going to go to war. You're going to be on the lines. Imagine if the soldier in the army infantry did not take training seriously. That soldier is going to get out onto the battlefield And he's not going to be equipped. And then he's going to say, if only they weren't shooting at me, I wouldn't have a problem. If only there was no war, I wouldn't have a problem. If only they didn't make me come here onto the front line, I wouldn't have a problem. No, your problem isn't your circumstance. Your problem is that you didn't take your training seriously. And now you are not prepared for your circumstance. Now you are not prepared for what's going on. Because you didn't take your training seriously. If that soldier took his training seriously, he wouldn't have a problem. I remember in the first Iraq war, just before the war, 
There were 10 American soldiers. I think they were Marines. I'm not positive, but I think they were Marines. And they were, I believe, on a reconnaissance mission. And this was in northern Arabia, right near Kuwait. And they got attacked by, I don't remember the exact number, but it was at least a hundred. It was a very overwhelming force of Iraqis coming against them. They got discovered, they got attacked. These soldiers fought them off. Those Iraqis could not defeat these soldiers. Why? Because those soldiers found themselves in a battle, but they were prepared. They took their training seriously. And these ten soldiers fought off a force that was much bigger than they are. They didn't sit there crying about, well, if only if these Iraqis didn't attack us, if only they didn't send us on a reconnaissance mission, if only they didn't bring us to Saudi Arabia. No, those soldiers were ready. It wasn't a problem. It was a detail they had to take care of. But it wasn't a problem. Not one of those soldiers got hurt. We're the same way. If we develop the mind of Christ in us, nothing is a problem. If we develop the if we develop the mind of Christ in us, we'll be equipped for whatever it is, positive or negative, that we have to deal with. It will not be a problem. It won't mess with our emotions, it won't mess with our self-image. We won't say to ourselves well, if only they were like this, or only this circumstance was different, or if whatever my situation, my surroundings were different, if only, no. The problem is, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Therefore, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. What we really need is to think Learn to think correctly. Learn to think with the Word of God. People who take the Word of God with disrespect will then eventually, because their life is defined by their circumstances, by their relationships, by their surroundings, these people will eventually start to scoff at the notion of the Word of God. They'll scoff at the notion that the Word of God can change things. They don't realize that they are in deep deception being manipulated by the enemy. But that's what will happen to them. And once they get there, they would do well to take it as a red flag of their own condition. Their condition is not determined by their circumstance. Their condition is determined by their mind. Their experience is not determined by their circumstance. Their experience is determined by their perception. We get the word of God, yes, number one, to get to know Him, but not just to get to know Him, but so that we can have His mind apart from which we cannot get to know Him. When somebody tells me their circumstances are making something impossible for them, 
I can't grow in this circumstance. I can't whatever it is in this circumstance. Then what they're actually telling me without realizing it, and this is invariably true because we are human beings, what they're actually saying without realizing it is, I have no relationship to Christ. I acknowledge Him, I believe Him, I'm saved, I trust the fact that I'm saved, but I don't know how to have a relationship with Him. Because they see the relationship with Him as being like the relationship with another person, it's not. The relationship that I have with Christ is because I have His mind. That's where that relationship comes from. They pray, but they're praying like to somebody out there. And even if they're in their own mind, that somebody is very tangible and concrete. It's still somebody out there. They don't realize the intimacy that they actually have with Him because if they did, their circumstances would not be so challenging to them in the negative sense. Your circumstances, your relationships, the things that happen to you don't define anything about you. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. The mind of Christ is the word of God. So what the apostle is saying is, let the word of God be in you just as it was in Christ Jesus. Jesus. Then you will be who you are. Remember, you're not apart from Christ if you're born again. Just not everybody lives in who they are. Their experience does not conform to who they really are because they don't have the mind of Christ. Therefore, they are somebody other than Christ in their experience. If I'm somebody other than Christ in my experience, I'm going to have a very difficult time of it because James told us a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So I have the Holy Spirit living in me, but I'm quenching the Holy Spirit through self-orientation to enforce my own thoughts apart from Him, enforce my own opinions apart from Him, refusing the cross apart from Him, not living in the oneness of the one new man, not living in my oneness of Christ, not living in the new creation, living apart from him, yet he is living in me. Well, that's going to cause profound instability in my life. It's going to mess up my emotions. It's going to make me very uncertain and I won't be able to deal with much of anything. It's not the circumstance. It's not the people. Stop blaming them because it's not them. The more you blame them, the deeper you go into deception. Who are you? You are as you think in your heart. Now at this point there's somebody listening on the internet who's getting condemned by this. Stop hiding behind condemnation and start taking God seriously. There is no condemnation, so the devil brings condemnation as a hiding place to escape conviction. As long as I hide in condemnation, no real change is going to happen because no real change is warranted or necessary. I have this wall of condemnation 
and now I can continue in self-orientation, except now maybe wallow in self-pity, producing a superficial wound, and yet not producing the life of Christ, simply maintaining my deception and deepening it. Very bad idea. If you are somebody who does that, do you honestly believe that you will not stand before God? Because you will stand before God. When I was teaching, sometimes I had students who wouldn't prepare for the test. It was like they didn't believe that the test was coming. Even if I told them, Friday, you have a test. Okay, I won't prepare. Friday, the test comes. They bomb the test. They scratch their heads. Why did I bomb the test? Because you didn't take it seriously that the test was coming. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Therefore, let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Because you're going to stand before him. And you will be rewarded or you will suffer loss that will determine your eternal state in heaven. Yes, in heaven if you're born again. That won't change. But man, oh man, I'll tell you right now, there is no equality whatsoever in heaven. Some people are going to be amazingly wealthy, doing amazingly great, with an amazingly intense and close relationship to God, and some people will just be glad to be there. And that's where it's going to end for them. What you're choosing now is going to determine your eternity. The beautiful thing about it is that you do get people like pastors who will tell you what you're choosing now is going to determine your eternity. So it's like Moses said to Israel in Deuteronomy 30.19. This is my counsel to you guys. God says, I place before you this day life and death and in case you're not that quick to figure out which one is better, I'll tell you. Therefore, choose life. You could just as easily say, I said before you this day, my life, my word, my joy for you. Or you can have the death of your old sin nature, the death of self-orientation, the misery through self-centeredness. Now, if you can't figure out which one is better, because some of you can't, I'll tell you right now, choose life. Spirituality for dummies. It's not hard to figure it out. You just have to have a little humility. But I'll tell you something. People, when they get self-oriented, it's hard to snap them out of it. Because they think their self-orientation makes them right.
and it doesn't, it makes them wrong. But they're convinced it makes them right. Because it's deceiving. In 1 Corinthians 2.14, the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God. Because they are foolishness to him. That's why people who do not have this habit of the Word of God will eventually scoff at it. Because they think their circumstances, their emotions, their relationships define reality. And they'll say things like, you're telling me that everything will be fixed by the Word of God and I see these things that are my reality. What they're doing is confessing their deception. Those things aren't reality. Not one of those things will last. They're not reality. The Word of God is reality. When the pastor says, get into the Word of God, the pastor is saying, get into life. Get into that which you need. Get into that which will sustain you. Get into the only thing that can give you a satisfying life. And if you scoff at the only thing that will give you a satisfying life, then I got news for you. You will never have a satisfying life. And your eternity is not going to be all that satisfying either. Although, because you won't have an old sin nature, you will be happy to the maximum of your little tiny capacity. Then it continues, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. The things of God are spiritually discerned. Now, this is something that the enemy targets. He does not want us to think well. In Galatians 3.4, what did he do there? Well, he changed Eve's thinking. He said to her when he challenged her in verse 1, does it make any sense in the original language that you can eat of any tree but not the best tree? And she said to him, God said we can eat of any tree but not of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. We can eat of it. She added, we cannot touch it. Because in that day we're going to die. And he sister, you're not going to die. You're not going to die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be as God's. Small g, not large g. Like the New King James puts it, small g. The word is Elohim. It can mean Trinity. It usually means angels. So you'll be as the angels knowing good from evil. Now the problem wasn't knowing good from evil. The problem was, and the original language points this out, how that knowledge was acquired. At that point it would no longer be acquired through the word of God, through the definition that God gave them, but through what they could see or hear or figure out for themselves apart from God. That's utterly useless. And then in verse 7, when they did finally eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, which it really didn't take that much, although the original language, the grammar shows us, it was a wear-down process. It was not a one-and-done conversation. It was a capacity-destroying process. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked. Bad thinking. 
And so they made themselves fig leaves to cover themselves. Bad decision. They were naked from the day they were created. What's the problem now? The thinking changed. What wasn't a problem before became a problem not because they were naked, but because they had bad thinking. And in that bad thinking, which was sourced in self-orientation, by the way, self-orientation will always produce bad thinking. In that bad thinking, they started something they really should not have done. They started to separate, not only from each other with the fig leaves, but then ultimately from God. In your self-oriented thinking, for those who are there, you have to understand something regarding your natural mind. In Jeremiah 17.9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Number one, apart from the word of God, you cannot know your own heart. And number two, it's deceitful and desperately wicked, not just deceitful. That's why people who think in natural thinking get into very natural, self-oriented, flesh-sourced responses. And it ends up damaging their relationships, damaging their jobs, damaging their families, and so on. It's not their circumstances. It's because they don't have the mind of Christ in them and therefore they are not equipped to be who God is making them to be. In Jeremiah 17.10 I the Lord search the heart. He's searching your frame of reference. He is searching out how you think. I try the reins. That means the emotions. Because the emotions will reveal a lot about how you think. Remember, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So God is saying, I'm searching out who you really are. Even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. You think that by being saved, you've got everything that you need to equip you for eternity? Being saved will get you to heaven. But it's not going to give you everything you need to equip you for eternity. It'll just get you to heaven. Thank God you won't be in hell. It will get you to heaven. But it won't equip you for all that heaven is. That's why there are some people who will reign and some people who will not. That's why there are some people who will be well rewarded and others will not. That's why there is no equality of joy in heaven. There is no equality of happiness. There is no equality of position as far as, not position in Christ, but position as far as your position within the hierarchy, the structure, whatever that societal structure is in heaven. 
There is no equality in that. But it will get you to heaven, thank God. But there's more, much more. God will give you according to your ways and the fruit of your doings. In Ezekiel 18.31, cast away from you all transgressions. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin, in Romans 14.23. Cast away from you anything that is not of faith which you have committed and get yourself a new heart and a new spirit. How do I do that? You see, he continues in that passage, For why should you die, O house of Israel? Why should you experience death when you can experience life? Honestly, a lot of Christians experience death because they refuse to experience life because they refuse to get into that which gives life. Why should you experience death? Or, in Romans 2, for do you despise, that is to say, esteem lightly the riches of his goodness. Goodness is the word Christotes. Probably the best translation of that is kindness. Do you despise the riches of God's kindness? Forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness, the kindness of God, leads you to repentance. Now, repentance can mean turning away from sin. However, the word itself actually means to change your mind. And the application that we're using right now, it's not a turning away from sin that is overt. It's changing your mind. It's giving you a new mind. Taking the old mind, getting rid of it and giving you a brand new mind that belongs to Christ. When a person refuses that new mind, they get into all kinds of problems. Get what happened here. Satan changed Adam and Eve's thinking with accusation and self-orientation. He accused God and he got them to be self-oriented. And then he changed their thinking. God changes your thinking with kindness. God draws you in Jeremiah 31.3 with loving kindness even when you are utterly, deeply in sin. Satan changes you, draws you with accusation and self-orientation. God draws you and changes you with kindness. Now, self-orientation is hard to break out of. The Bible calls that an, an impenitent heart. But it's very difficult to break out of an impenitent heart. And that can only be gotten out of through the cross. Now, people hear about the cross and there's this little thud in their heart. Ugh, the cross. Because they don't actually realize what the cross is. They see the cross as a source of death. 
You're already dead. The cross is a source of life. The cross is not where I meet the death of the flesh. The flesh is already dead. Romans 5 tells us this. Even while we were yet sinners, we were enemies of God. We were dead in trespasses and sins. Well, I can have that very same experience even though I'm born again. That doesn't change my experience. That just changes my position and it changes my ultimate destination. But it doesn't change my experience. The cross is where we find life, not where we find death. Galatians 2.20 I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ who lives in me. I find the life of Christ and it becomes my life at the cross. This is an extremely high quality of life. This is a supernaturally high quality of life. This is the kind of quality of life where nothing overwhelms you, where nothing upsets you, where nothing overcomes you. This is the kind of quality of life that you cannot be moved and it doesn't matter what's going on. You are who you are according to the way you think. Let this mind be in you. And it produced this mind-bogglingly brilliant, high-level quality of life. This is not something you find just by living your life on earth. This is something that can only be produced by God in you as He gives His life to you. You're living on a completely different level when you have God's life. Your experience becomes seated above in heavenly places, not here on earth in the muck and the mire of your circumstances, but in heavenly places where nothing can touch you, number one, all the enemies you have, whether they're circumstantial or people or wrong thinking or something the devil is, it's all under your feet. Nothing can even begin to get near you. You are so far beyond it, you don't even know it's there. You don't see the heat when it comes. But if you reject that, you can't win. In Romans 2.5, in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you're treasuring up for yourselves wrath. Well, that sounds like fun. Why do you think you've got the problems you have if you've got problems? Because of your circumstances? That's deception. Got nothing to do with your circumstances. Because of the people in your life, your family, your husband, your wife, your children, your parents, why do you think you've got the problems you have? It's not got to do with anything outside of you. God has already given you absolutely everything whereby you won't have any problems at all if you will humble yourself and enter into those things through the mind of God. My problems are not sourced in what's going on. My problems are sourced in who I am. Fortunately, who I am is not who I have to remain as. If I don't have it to deal with things, and I try to blame people or situations or whatever, my job, 
my schedule. Things are on me. You're just hiding. But you're maintaining the problem. You're protecting the problem. Why not humble yourself and let this mind be in you that was in Christ? And then you get to experience all that the life of God imparts, including the experience of seated above in heavenly places where absolutely nothing can touch you regardless of what's going on. That sounds good. But storing up wrath for myself? I'm sorry, that does not sound good. That's no fun at all. But that is a lot of people's experience. In Psalm 34.2, the humble will hear and be glad. No joy? Well, my Bible says that the humble hear and they have joy. They're glad. In the presence of God, there's fullness of joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength, the Word of God says. Not my joy, the joy of the Lord. Where do I get that? In the presence of God. Where do I get that? The humble will hear and they'll be glad. You enter into it through the Word of God. In Ezekiel 36.25, I'll sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean. Water speaks of the Word of God. God gives you the Word of God and it cleanses your experience of all the negative garbage. You say life is terrible. I say you don't know who you are. Figure out who you are through the word of God. In other words, accept who you are and let that be developed in you and you'll find life is no longer terrible. Oh, the life of God is so hard. The life of God is so depressing. The life of God is so miserable. You're messed up. You have no idea you're living in complete deception and self-orientation that is acting like a poison throughout your entire body just killing everything. Get with it. Wake up for Pete's sake. Don't you realize that you're going to stand before God? You've got a certain number of years on earth and that's going to determine your eternity and you're willing to put up with garbage? And the garbage isn't from what's around you. The garbage is from what is in you because you have not taken the word of God seriously. Well, I don't have capacity. Well, then develop it through receiving. It's funny how capacity works. You start obeying and capacity starts expanding. It's really amazing. Well, I don't have the capacity to obey. No, you obey by faith. And the capacity comes right along with it. I can't do it. No. You can. You just don't want to. It's a decision. The word of God was given to set you free. Why are you miserable? If you're miserable, it's because you don't have the word of God as your frame of reference. I'm not saying that you don't have an intellectual possession of Scripture. I'm saying it's not your mind. 
And that takes humility. The humble will hear and be glad. God cleanses your negativity. In Ezekiel 36.26, He gives you a new heart and a new spirit. In Ezekiel 26.27, He does it for people who walk in His statutes, His word. Well, Walking in His Word is not hard. It's much easier than walking without His Word. Life is so hard, you're doing it wrong. Simple as that. Life is hard, you're doing it wrong. Life is miserable, you're doing it wrong. Life is dreadful, you're doing it wrong. My circumstances, my wife, my husband, my kids, you're doing it wrong. Simple as that. You're doing it wrong. Start doing it right. You're doing it wrong. You're miserable because you're doing it wrong. No, it's their fault. No, it's not. They have nothing to do with it. You're doing it wrong. If you weren't doing it wrong, you wouldn't be miserable with them. My circumstance is so bad. Nope, you're doing it wrong. If you were doing it right, your circumstance wouldn't be an issue. You're doing it wrong. Now humble yourself. That's a decision. So that he can lift you up in James chapter 4. Blessed is the man in Jeremiah 17.7 that trusts in the Lord. And whose hope the Lord is. For he will be planted as a tree by the waters. That means he's always got a supply. Good times, bad times doesn't make any difference. Rain, drought makes no difference. He's always got a supply. And that spreads out her roots by the river and shall not see the heat when it comes. You put a tree next to a river, it doesn't care if it's hot. It doesn't care whether there's a drought. It doesn't care about anything. There's nothing you can do to harm a tree next to a river. No circumstance affects a tree planted next to a river. But her leaf shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. That's from trusting God. You trust Him in Romans 10.17 because you have His Word. If you have His Word, you have the mind of Christ. If you have the mind of Christ, you become who God has made you to be. You no longer have a double mind to make you completely unstable in everything. And you get to enjoy the life of God. Amen? If you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior and you don't know where you're going to go when you die, simply pray, Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I receive you as my Savior. Thank you for loving me so much that you died for me so I can have eternal life with you. Amen.